Hi, welcome to another episode of Stress Bucket Solutions. And in this episode, I am talking with my friend and registered nutritionist, Laura Wyness. Now, Laura, I know from uh, here in Scotland. She's a friend of mine, but she is so knowledgeable about nutrition. And what I really like about uh, Laura is she talks about real food, nothing. She tries to simplify everything. Nothing is off the menu. I have been out with Laura and we eat cake together. We've had pancakes together. So, you know, it's she eats realistically for me. She doesn't, you'll hear her opinions in a moment on superfoods and restrictive diets and, you know, all these fancy ways that people are trying to eat and the overcomplication of food and nutrition. So I think you'll really enjoy listening to her. Now, the reason I got Laura on is there's a huge connection, isn't there, between nutrition and the food we eat and enjoy and our mental health. So this episode, a little bit longer than normal because we just, you know, time just flies uh, as well when you're talking about this kind of subject. And there's it's such a huge subject as well, which I'll possibly, uh, I think I'll have to get Laura on again to talk about a few things that she touched upon in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. The other reason I got her on as well is that I've had a lot of um, inquiries from clients wanting a nutritionist on. So often when I work with clients and they start to get their nutrition back under control and their the emotional eating back under control, they then want to take it the next step further and make sure they're doing everything possible that's best for them. Uh, and they've started recognizing other lack lacking things in their nutrition and I've referred them to Laura as well. So obviously I'll I'll include all her details in the show notes. And she does mention a few resources as well, um, like the Eat Well Guide and a few books and podcasts she recommends at the end as well. I'll include all of those links to that in the show notes as well. So I hope you enjoy this slightly longer episode of my chat with my friend Laura. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your very busy schedule at the moment. I know you're very busy taking some time out to record this podcast with me, uh, but it has been a long time coming and I've had quite a few clients ask me when I'm getting a nutritionist on. So um, by popular demand, here you are. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Uh, could you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Absolutely. So I am a registered nutritionist and I have I've done a lot of things in the past, kind of worked in food innovation and academic research and also, um, yeah, with charities and various nutrition roles. But I now have been a freelance nutritionist for, gosh, I think seven years now. Um, So I do kind of a combination of things, nutrition writing and research and workplace talks and also supporting individuals on um, with nutrition support uh, via kind of online consultations great lovely uh you're so clever i always say <laughs> you're so clever with all the work that you do so let, let's get stuck right in then so i'm you know the the connection between nutrition and mental health right that's not news we all know that there mm-hmm. is this connection but could you explain it in your own words so i talk to my clients about how once the stress bucket empties, they start to get in control of their nu- nutrition and their emotional eating and mm-hmm. often eating disorders as well. They get as because stress is a big contributor. But could you explain in your own words that connection between mental health and nutrition? 
Yeah, I think it's, it's all kind of interconnected, isn't it? The, the health um, and wellness. So in terms of nutrition, I think it can impact our mental health in a number of different ways, both what we eat and when we eat or how we eat rather. Um, our brain accounts for 2% of our body weight, but it uses 20% of our energy intake. So wow. we need to make sure that we are supplying it with a good amount of energy, a, you know, a constant supply of energy, but also it kind of guzzles up a lot of um, vitamins and minerals and, and fats and, and proteins. It needs a whole range of nutrients to function well. So um, yeah, so there's a number of things, I guess, nutritionally speaking, um, I mean, eating regular meals uh, can help keep your blood sugar levels stable, and that can help your brain function a lot better. Um, having a good balance of nutrients is really important. As I say, um, it is a wide variety of vitamins and minerals and all different types of nutrients. So having that variety in your diet of plenty of fruits and vegetables and protein foods and good quality carbohydrate foods, because um, one of the common side effects of a kind of low carb diet which is kind of sometimes quite a popular diet for some people is low mood so if you don't get those carbs um that can impact your your mental health and, and mood um and then of course a huge kind of um gut health uh link with our, our gut brain connection um so what we eat for our gut um is really important for our mood and mental health because there's there seems to be a really strong link between our gut microbiome and our mood um, and healthy fats our, our brain is made up of around 60 percent of our brain is, is fat um, and about half of that is omega-3 fats so that's a, a really healthy type of fat to have in your diet um, and as i say lots of vitamins and minerals and hydration is something often we kind of forget about because it's so, well, it sounds so easy to do, but a lot of people find it really difficult to get into the habit of drinking adequate um, amounts to keep well hydrated. And even mild dehydration can have a, a negative impact on your memory and brain function and kind of performance. So yeah, that's hugely important. Um, and of course, caffeine as well. I've, I know I've heard you talk about caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, moderating the caffeine intake um, can can actually help with mood as well, as, as you know. Yeah, great. Oh, there's so much there I want to dig into. I've been making all these <laughs> notes, Laura, here. So I totally agree with you. Carbs, they've got such a bad reputation, haven't they? Like as yeah. in, all right, let me cut down my carbs, but you don't realize the impact on our mental health. Huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Carbs are good. I mean, there's a wide variety of carbs and, um, you know, carbs come in many forms. So I'd say concentrate on the good quality carbs. So by that, I mean, the kind of good quality starchy carbohydrates that are going to give you a slow, steady release of energy and not those um, quick, you know, peaks of energy that you get from simple sugars from you know, cakes and biscuits, it'll give you a spike in blood sugar and a quick energy burst, but then you'll have a slump soon after, and then that'll impact your, your mood. Um, so a nice steady energy supply for the brain is, is really good with the, yeah, kind of beans and pulses and whole grains and um, lots of vegetables and, and fruits. Right. Um, and, and the fats as well. Yeah, definitely the brain is, you know, it's made a lot of it good fats and, they, and again you know when you hear the word fat it, it's seen as this negative thing you mentioned omega-3s could you give me a few examples of the food sources of 
omega-3? Where can I get some more omega-3? Yeah, well, the best dietary source of omega-3 is oily fish. So um, things like salmon, mackerel, trout, sardines. These are really good um, dietary sources. And you don't need to eat lots of these foods. So having fish once or twice a week will give you uh, a good amount of the omega-3 fats. Um, if you don't like fish, because I know many people don't eat fish, there are some plant foods with omega-3s that the body can then convert into the, the kind of longer chain omega-3s that are beneficial for brain health. So the plant sources of omega-3s are things like nuts, so walnuts in particular, um, a lot of nuts and seeds, uh, rapeseed oil is quite high in omega-3, um, uh, avocados, uh, flax seeds. Um, so yeah, having a, a portion of nuts and seeds is quite a good habit to get into uh, right. each day. Great. I, I love that about you, Laura. And I, I know this from, you know, working with you for a long time, you're about real food. You're, yes. not, you're not about fads or, you know, a superfood. I know you hate that word as well. Superfood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a food, <laughs> but you're also about real food, like stuff we can get every day and that variety. Mm. So yeah, thanks for that. For all, all that long list of foods <laughs> to help as well. Um, I'm also just going to jump into, you talked a little bit about gut health and the, <laughs> uh, the gut microbiome as well. And I've been reading up about this as well and that connection with the brain. Mm -hmm. Could you expand on that a little bit more? How do we get good gut health? How does that gut health affect our mental health? Yeah, it's such a fascinating topic. So um I think we, we know a lot more about gut health than we used to, because when I studied at university, um, I remember the lectures I got in my undergrad degree were kind of in terms of gut health, it was, you know, eat fibrous foods to help your digestion and keep your gut healthy. And that, that was about the extent of it. Now, bear in mind, I went to uni about 20 years ago now. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not of, that old. <laughs> <laughs> we've come a long way in terms of the research, but in the last you know decade or so, it's just um, we've learned a lot more, and there's still a lot more we don't know about gut. But um, a lot of the research and, and evidence now shows that if you have a variety of foods in your diet, especially plant foods, which are going to give your gut microbiome um, a lot of different types of um, fibers to feed off of, um, that will help increase the diversity of microbes you have in your gut and a diverse diversity of, of microbes in your gut means it's going to function a lot better and so that will have an impact on your mood and immune health and all other you know different things that the gut is is um, important for so variety is key we always talk about a healthy varied diet and that word varied is is really key so having as many different plant foods in your diet as possible. Um, at least 30, 30 plus has been a number um, that's been shown in studies. The big American gut health project showed that people who eat at least 30 different plant foods in a week have a much more diverse um, gut microbiome and therefore it's, it functions better than someone who maybe has less than 10 different plant foods. So um, that's always something I kind of say to a lot of people to try and count up over the week how many different plant foods you have and see where you can improve on that yeah well well two things there I mean sometimes we just get into a habit of eating the same things over and over don't we but also sometimes when we talk about like diets that are a bit restrictive so again you're not mm. giving yourself the diversity that you should are you 
Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever you restrict yourself, you're you're maybe cutting out different foods or whole food groups. And especially if you try and cut out carbs, which I wouldn't recommend, but um, you're cutting out a whole um, kind of diversity of food potentially for your gut microbes. So, um, yeah, eating lots of different I mean, lots of different plant foods doesn't just mean fruits and veg, but different grains, because often we just stick to maybe rice and pasta. But, you know, trying different um, bulgur wheat or buckwheat or quinoa or couscous and different grains and um, pulses and beans and uh, herbs and spices also add variety, which is often, I think, forgotten about. We've all got those herb, dried herbs at the back of our cupboard that are a couple of years out of date. <laughs> be, um, but they're really useful for gut health, yeah. um, including spices. And now you said it, yeah, they're plants as well. So, you, you know, you're talking yeah. about plant sources. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I know for me, I like really strong flavors. So I'm always herbs, spices, anything else I can put in there, I'll, I'll put it in just to, you know, make something more interesting. Once I've got that yeah. strong flavor in my mouth, I feel like I've really ate something. Yeah, because so. it's eating is all about, it's not just about nutrition, it's all about the experience and the flavors yeah. and should be enjoyed. So yeah, yeah, experiment with different herbs and, yeah. and citrus and um, yeah, lots of different things. Yeah. Yeah, for me, chili, spicy, anything spicy uh, yeah, as well. Not or like, for me. Yeah, I know not <laughs> no. for you, but also for me, like that sweet and sour. Like I like really sour things. Yeah. So like tamarind is really sour. And then now oh. you've you've reminded me, that's a plant. So that's yeah. a plant base I'm having there as well. So when you said 30 different plant sources in your diet a week, I was thinking, oh, that sounds like loads. But if you include these herbs, spices, um, you know, all these other things, yeah, that's still a, a plant source, isn't it? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and, and even different easier. colors. So if you have um, a red pepper and a green pepper, I'd count them as two different um, oh, right. plants because you're getting slightly different nutrients or slightly different um, antioxidants from different colored fruits and veg. So, yeah, eat eat a rainbow is another kind of okay. um, top tip, I suppose, Great. to eat lots of uh, different colors. Um, oh, great. You made you made me feel better. I think I'm doing. I don't think I'm doing too bad now. Uh, as well. So we've talked about um, how nutri nutrition can improve your mental health, but conversely, do you think mental health can affect your nutrition, your eating habits? And from your point of view, can you spot this in people? What are the signs you look for? And I know we have before sort of cross-referenced clients to each other. I know when I'm, uh, the way I work is that when people get a little bit more control of their nutrition because their stress bucket's emptying, they're like, oh, actually, I, I want to really focus on this a little bit more. I know I'm not eating well. How how can I find more information? And I will send them to you. Mm -hmm. What are the signs of you seen when you would send a client to me? Do you think that mental health affects nutrition and eating habits? Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose having a low mood or anxiety can impact dietary choices. Um, yeah, there's no question on that. And sometimes, um, yeah, having kind of little motivation to prepare or, or go out shopping or um, meal plan or, or look for fresh ingredients that can, um, yeah, be one of the, the impacts of uh, poor mental health. Um, and I think stress can impact our dietary choices in different ways. So for some people, uh, if you're feeling uh, stressed, it may, your appetite may decrease. And then for others, uh, they may find they have an increased 
kind of craving for high sugar, high fat foods, um, or foods that are higher in calories, but much lower in nutrient value. So it, it varies according to individuals, um, how stress uh, can impact your dietary choices. Um, but during, when, when I talk to people, talk to individuals, I try and ask them about uh, sleep and stress levels and their energy levels, because that can all have an impact on, on mental health as well. And try and find out if they are ready to make changes or where they are in that kind of behavior change cycle. Um, you know, are they thinking about making change and or are they actually ready to make that change? Um, so yeah, it can take um, a little bit of yeah, initial conversations to see if they are at that stage where they, they do they are actually ready to make a change. Yeah, because that, that's what must be hard for you, I would imagine, right? When someone got, you've got all the information on nutrition, but if someone's not taking it on board and going away and putting those things into place, there's obviously some sort of mental barrier there. Yeah, yeah? and I think sometimes people that I speak to think that I'm maybe just going to give them a diet plan and say, right, this is what you're eating for the next week, off you go. But actually, my aim is to kind of, give people the knowledge and, and tools to make small changes and I always just focus on small changes and it might take a bit longer to get to their goals but it's a much more sustainable way of doing things rather than overload yourself with okay I've got to do this 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 and this and make all these changes and make this meal and try out this recipe it's just overwhelming so any change in your diet is going to require a conscious effort so it's hard work making yeah. changing habits so yeah. um yeah I always kind of try and um kind of chat about okay what are the one or two small changes and uh, we know we've maybe talked about lots of options but in the next couple of weeks you know at the end of the consultation I say you know let's agree on just you focusing on this and this and and that's it and see how you get on because that's more than enough to to kind of focus on initially um yeah. so yeah it's, it's a, a gradual process it's not I'm not into kind of extreme changes or or like fad diets or something that will be a quick fix it's more of a, a gradual but sustainable change um, yeah. I, I say that to my clients so when people go to that extreme change they want a strict diet and the same for fitness as well then all of a sudden they're like at the gym every day that's also an obsession. Mm -hmm. That's not healthy. So that still comes from the primitive brain. You could be doing everything right. But if you're following this really strict diet that you think is absolutely beautiful and perfect, that's also extreme mm -hmm. as well. So that's an obsession from the primitive part of the brain. That's still a sign of a full stress bucket because now you're just going completely the other way. You want to be at that relaxed place. And I know you, you and I have been out and you know, you, you, you never say when, you know, we, we've both had, you know, some cake or pancakes or something <laughs> together and you're like, it's fine. This is food. This is real food though. You know, so we have to have, like you said earlier, that enjoyment from it as well. Yeah. It's a mental thing. That's where it's, it's a whole body experience eating. So you're, you're feeding parts of yourself, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully in a healthy way. I mean, you don't want to be feeding the emotion, but there's room for treats. Oh, absolutely. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've got to have treats. So um, yeah, no. And again, that's what I like about the way you do nutrition. That's why I wanted 
there's many nutritionists I know but that's why I yeah. wanted you uh, on to this so we were talking about that link with mental health and nutrition do you think a certain demographic are more prone to that like women in particular or teenagers or in your experience would you say there's a certain demographic prone to that mental health and eating habits link yeah quite possibly I mean a lot of the um individuals I work with are women um so I would say women do have um more challenges so to speak because obviously if um, women have to deal with regular hormone fluctuations um so if obviously if they're menstruating during each menstrual uh, cycle um there's that change in hormones and hormones are powerful things so yes they are going to impact um how you feel about foods and uh, during each menstrual cycle a, a woman's calorie and nutrient requirements actually change due to fluctuations in the hormones and hormone fluctuations can impact food cravings and uh, progesterone one of the um, hormones is thought to increase appetite and estrogen may actually suppress it so there's all this going on in the background every month for women to kind of um, manage um, and also during the menopause is uh, and be a challenge in transition. Yeah, um, tell me about it, Laura. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> well, estrogen is actually connected to the production and the um, potency of serotonin, mm. um, which obviously is linked to mood and lots of other things. But when you reach menopause, you're reducing your levels of estrogen around menopause, and that can impact uh, mood and brain function. Um, so especially around menopause, I'd say it's important to think about your, your gut health because a lot of the serotonin is actually made in your gut by your gut microbe. So um, if you can look after your gut microbiome around time of menopause, and that's a really positive um, thing to kind of focus on. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, women, yeah, it can be a bit more challenging. Back to that gut brain <laughs> connection again with the serotonin, hey? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I say that definitely what I read was sort of 80 to 90% of serotonin is stored in the gut. You know, yeah. people think it's this mood enhancing, which it is mood enhancing brain neurotransmitter, which it is, but it's actually stored in a different part of the body. So you've got mm. to get your gut health right so that you've yeah. got that store of serotonin uh, as well. So thanks for mentioning that uh, as well. So I, I think you've got a good opinion on this next question. Do you think as a society we've overcomplicated nutrition? <laughs> I think I know your answer to this, but I think, oh God, there's so much information out there, Laura. What do I do? I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. There what is, happens? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, there's a huge amount of information. As soon as you go on Google and look for any nutrition question, you're kind of bombarded and, and on social media as well. Um, and in one way, it's good because, yeah, everyone has to eat. So everyone has a, a vested interest in food and how it makes them feel and, and nutrition. Um, but yes, I would say um, we have overcomplicated it. However, I do think that nutrition is probably one of the most complicated sciences um, because it's impacted by so many things. And you have to consider nutrition in combination with so many other sciences you've got to think about behavioral science and genetics and microbiology and psychology and sociology because they all kind of impact dietary choices and nutritional requirements and 
um, absorption and lots of different things. So, um, but yeah, I think it, it, it can be simple as well because actually the dietary recommendations have stayed broadly unchanged for the last few decades. It's the same kind of healthy eating messages nutritionists have been kind of promoting, um, you know, eat more fruit and veg, include good quality carbohydrates, um, some protein at each meal, limit your uh, sugars and salt and unhealthy fats and keep well hydrated. Uh, and we've got the, the UK dietary guidelines, which is the eat well guide. I don't know if you've seen the kind of circle with yeah. plates. Yeah. With the yeah. different proportions of types of foods. So um, that's our national dietary guidelines of um, what we should be eaten. But what I find quite surprising is that the data shows that less than 1% of the population in the UK actually achieve the national dietary guidelines, <gasps> what is actually in that Eat Well Guide. Oh God, less than 1%. So nobody's really following oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> we all know about it. We yeah. all know what we should be eating, but... Just carrying on doing our thing. <laughs> yeah, in practice, it's, it's really difficult to sometimes yeah. to follow it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've a, a big gap there oh, between shocking. what we should do and what we're actually doing. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, so I obviously know I go to India a lot. That's where my family's from. And then, you know, I've lived abroad as well. I think that taught me a lot in the, in India and I lived in Mauritius, like you ate seasonally. First of mm -hmm. all, that made a big difference. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, there's only a very short season in India for mangoes and you're eating mm -hmm. them because it is really hot but you would never eat a mango in winter because it's kind of classified in like Ayurvedic and Indian medicine as like a warm food. So you would never eat it. It's, it's a summer fruit and you would eat it okay. in summer. So that seasonal kind of way of eating, you know, and then things like sag uh, and um, so spinach, the spinach curry sag, you'd only eat that in winter and then you'd eat as much of it as you can. And then the next season would come. So the seasons really dictate how your food is produced so you're really eating with more with nature and mm -hmm. I found that I found I was really healthy when I go to India for like four weeks at a time I'm really healthy when I lived in Mauritius all the fruit and veg and the fish and everything was just made me feel so healthy so there's something to be said for, you know in our supermarkets like you can get strawberries in winter yeah and you're yeah. like you know they don't as, taste as, that great though, they don't do they? taste great but you're like you love it's lovely to have them if you want them but like, should I really be doing that? So it really makes you think when you eat seasonally. Mm -hmm. And the other thing from that, then I think if you've been brought up that way. So I know my dad says, like, so he, my dad's like a beanpole. He's like six foot and he's a beanpole. And people say to him, oh, you know, so what diet are you on? And he says, mm. I'm on this diet. I eat when I'm hungry <laughs> and I stop eating when I'm full up. Um, you know, so it's like, okay. <laughs> It's like basic, isn't it? So, you know, when we talk about overcomplicating nutrition, you know, that that's something to be said for that kind of simple lifestyle, the whole getting back to nature, the farming lifestyle, looking at what nature is doing. Yeah. Isn't absolutely. there? And I know you're, yeah. you're, you're a farmer's daughter as well. Yeah. So <laughs> you really like, know about yeah. this. It's one of the things I often say to people is like, check out what's in season. Cause again, it's come, going back to that food should be enjoyed and food that's in season tends to taste better mm. um and is you know might be cheaper as well to buy yeah. so yeah um yeah and it kind of gets you thinking about yeah different things to try out as well so yeah I think I did read somewhere that you know we all have an internal body clock and work on a circadian rhythm mm. and I think there is some 
thinking that the gut microbiome um, is different according to different seasons I think wow but I'm not sure I'm yeah I'm trying to rack my brains where I've read that but yeah, yeah there maybe is some kind of seasonality yeah um in, issue or link with our brain uh, our gut microbiome in terms yeah. of what we eat but well it kind of makes sense isn't it we're sort of in in summer like I know in in India like in the farming community in summer you're much more active in winter it's more of a downtime so you eat differently you just you know you don't want to eat mangoes in winter because you're not yeah. going to burn it off you feel like it's too sugary it's too sweet yeah. but with our abundance of food in our supermarkets in the west you know something's often I, I feel like something's been disrupted yeah and in winter well. you often want like stews and soups mm. and warming kind of foods mm. and it's just less light so maybe less vitamin d and yeah that might have an impact on mood or, or yeah. how you're feeling and yeah yeah there's so much we don't know I think yeah. still <laughs> uh so you, you touched there on you know when things are cheaper as well mm -hmm. so you know it's cheaper to eat seasonally so I want to talk to you about inclusivity in nutrition so when junk food is cheap and fruit and veg is more expensive and combined with those energy bills and everything to cook them, it, it often feels like the easier option is to eat junk food. So uh, naming no names, there are burgers you can get for 99p <laughs> cooked, yeah. ready. That's what the kids will eat as well. What is your comment on that? And do you think more work needs to be done in that area? How can we help ourselves and each other as a community to get away from, you know, the 99p burger as opposed to you could make a nice chicken sandwich if you grilled some chicken and got some really good bread but that is now going to be more expensive what what is going on there well you know that that always really bothers me yeah I mean it's a lot is to do with accessibility and what's available in your local area um and in areas of deprivation there seems to be a lot more of these kind of burger and chicken places and fast food places um and and so it's going to make it harder for people in those kind of areas to actually eat healthy foods um and yeah i think it's the cost of, of food is obviously going up now um it's a very kind of relevant question and you know inflation's rising and energy costs are rising i think obviously there's a huge um scale of um Kind of affordability of food so some people uh you know really struggling to buy food yeah <laughs> just stop. basics yeah. yeah just basics um, or having the the money to actually cook it at home mm. um so i guess if yeah thinking like, like people like jack monroe have been really mm. good and kind of coming up with recipes or meal planning which can really be useful to help kind of yeah plan out food or what you're going to buy and how you're going to use it so you avoid waste as well because that's a, a huge issue often we, we waste a lot of food that we we buy um but if you're someone who's kind of wanting to tighten their belt or kind of reduce um cost of foods there are a lot of cheaper options or healthier options that are kind of relatively low cost so things like including a lot more beans and pulses and lentils it's a really good kind of plant protein to include. Um, so bulking up soups and stews or using a little bit less meat and more of the plant proteins is not just going to be good for your pocket, but also good for your health as well. 
because um, beans and pulses tend to have a more rounded nutritional profile and provide a little bit of protein, but also fibers and, and lots of vitamins and minerals. Um, and using like different types of um, produce, like canned foods, I think it's often shunned or people think, oh, that's just, um, you know, not as, as good as the fresh or the frozen, but actually it's a really convenient um, food and I often buy kind of canned uh, veg or, or pulses um, so yeah look for what the, the cheaper option is um, they're all more or less similar nutritional value um, and uh, yeah no need to buy any superfoods at all <laughs> so these so are no, often, don't buy the chia seeds and everything no, and all that rubbish no they're, they're just kind of um, foods with a good PR team behind them and uh, a hugely inflated price so yeah. Um, yeah any foods and variety is good so instead of chia seeds you know just any type of seeds or oats or yeah plant foods full stop and um, just I think the, the key thing is having a variety if you can of, of different foods um, so yeah I think it is a challenge but um, often yeah, going for kind of healthy, lower cost foods, um, like more plant foods and mm. cooking from scratch a little bit more, which I know for some people is um, more challenging, but uh, if you can, it often is um, kind of cheaper in the long run um, or definitely meal planning um, or checking out um, the Love Food Hate Waste website is really good for hints and tips on how to reduce waste and what foods you can freeze um and how to store it in your fridge so it lasts longer and things yeah. like that yeah um, i'm a big fan of the freezer so i'm always yeah i like cooking from scratch but anything left over i'm like that's a lunch for one another day stick it in the freezer yeah you know so i'm always making sure i'm, I'm using the freezer i'm a, a big fan of that there's there's some apps as well i don't know i think you got me onto that one that too good to go app, oh yeah That's isn't really it good. so yeah so anything left over in supermarkets or bakeries that they you know they don't want to throw it out but they'll sell you at much reduced price at the end of the day or whenever you can get on that app to yeah. to go and pick it up so you know I think people are doing a lot more uh, supermarkets and shops even small independent shops are doing a lot more for food waste I know here in Edinburgh they're doing really really well I was just actually I was in Lidl earlier and they do this sort of box. It's right at the entrance. And they do a box of like stuff that's nearly up there at the end of date. So, mm. you know, the things and even fresh fruit and veg, like carrots and things that just before the best before date. And they're selling this massive box for £1.50. Wow. Now, okay. that shouldn't be the normal. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to normalize this, mm -hmm. but with costs going up, we're going to have to think of something. But it's really nice to see places trying to do something to bring costs down or not waste because that that stuff would have just gone in waste before mm -hmm. but now they're trying to say no you, you, if you're a good cook you could maybe make use of this uh, as well yeah even like obviously chuck it in a soup because then you don't mm. see or, or a smoothie or yeah make put it into a sauce yeah. um but actually i think i read somewhere that was it strawberries they have their highest level of antioxidants just before they start to go moldy so at their most right. ripe. So even like fruit that's just about to go off, 
yeah um, that's probably the best time to to eat it to get a smoothie but like bananas aren't they they're so yeah. sweet just before yeah. they're, supposed, they're sort of just turning black they're really sweet yeah they're, yeah. they're great for yeah adding or making pancakes banana pancakes yeah. or something or yeah adding sweetness in the recipe it's just trying to be a bit more creative isn't it uh, as well so what um you might have answered this in a way a little bit what current nutrition messages annoy you and fill up your stress bucket so what's filling up your stress bucket in in the nutrition world at the moment I think generally it's just when um I hear people talking about good or bad foods there's no particular foods that are good for you or bad for you it's it's all yeah about having or kind of listening to your internal body signals and what you fancy and there's no such thing as a perfect diet as well um so I always say to people you know the 80 20 rule is quite a good thing to think about um uh-huh. as long as you're trying to eat healthily most of the time then don't feel guilty about you know having a, a sweet treat or something that's a bit less healthy um one of the ones that I, really annoys me it's not so much now but it used to be coconut oil had a bit of a health halo yeah back yeah um as a being a a really healthy oil and I would say use it very sparingly because it's one of the highest in saturated fats which is not good so use it for flavor but um I would always kind of recommend a olive oil or a rapeseed oil for Uh cooking or using on salads um yeah rapeseed oil I use coconut oil I'll use on my skin and hair is that okay oh yeah oh that's fine (laughs) (laughs) so externally I use a lot of coconut oil it smell great yeah I smell all coconutty all the time <laughs> as well so yeah so they're the current they're the current kind of message I like what you're saying there that you know there's no good or bad foods it's just everything in moderation I guess yeah yeah which is it's quite a boring message I suppose um but it's yeah the body works best in balance and there's all these fad diets or extreme diets just puts the body out of balance so um I'm still waiting for like the next trend to be the, the balanced diet, um, which I don't know if that'll ever. Um, you can start that on. trend, Laura. Let's, I'll help you. We'll start that trend, the balanced diet with we a balanced mind. This is people yeah. like like extreme stories, so that's yeah. Fit in, but yeah, it's not controversial enough <laughs> <laughs> as well. But no, uh, that's great. So good. Anything else before I cut? Um, I don't want to cut you off. Oh yeah. Well, um, the other one is is any fancy salts as well um you've got me yeah, in a roll now but go fancy on no salts, I don't like, yeah I don't want to oh, you know when, let it out like, your stress bucket now <laughs> <laughs> table salt um but you also get things like fancy sea salts or rock salt or pink Himalayan salt which yeah. are hugely expensive yeah. they're all just salt the same as yeah. table salt they all contain sodium chloride um which can increase your blood pressure um so yeah just buy a salt that is um yeah that you like and don't use too much of it and yeah. use lots of spices and herbs and things for flavor rather than salt yeah I know chefs are really good on they when they say they season their food well they don't mean just salt do they so I know they like to use yeah. more salt than maybe we would in our kitchens yeah and that's why their food tastes good but I'm sure there's lots of other herbs and spices not just salt you know when something's too salty yeah when when people put salt in a salad a um, I really don't like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Put some um, herbs or yeah. kind of basil or something or yeah. parsley or something to season it. But yeah. don't put salt on it. That yeah, really annoys me. Or, or don't put salt in my chips before you serve them to me because if I want, I'll add it myself. Yeah, but, yeah. That oh, that's a big bugbear of mine. They're always so salty. Yeah, yeah. I always get yeah. My, my blood pressure. I think always goes up when I watch 
um, cookery shows because you see the amount of salt or the amount of um, double cream or kind of butter that is added to recipes and I think that's just not needed yeah <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah need I, I've got a, I've got a friend that bakes and she uses always half the amount of sugar recommended in the recipe and her cakes and bakes always taste fabulous and when she says to me actually that needed double the sugar in the recipe I went how because that just tastes beautiful as mm-hmm. it is I cannot it already tastes sweet so I can't believe like they're recommending yeah. like even recipes are saying more sugar but she, she always halves at least halves her sugar yeah in a recipe and it comes out great and uh, cakes are, are absolutely delicious and all fluffy consistency is great as well so yeah. you know it's surprising isn't it you, you can come back yeah absolutely I think you can adjust your taste buds as well over time like some of the foods um I just find really overly sweet now and I can't eat them um, yeah but yeah yeah there's, there's other ways to excite your taste buds yeah and I think once you get your mental health sort of under more control and you empty that stress bucket you taste food better food just tastes better and so I know when I'm highly anxious I eat quite mindlessly whereas if I'm my stress bucket's emptier I eat more mindfully and you know strawberries taste sweet grapes taste sweet and I don't need chocolate biscuits and even when I'm eating a chocolate biscuit I enjoy it more rather than eating half a packet without thinking about it so such a connection there isn't there I mean, mindful eating is, is one of the things I talk about a lot in consultations and the techniques of mindful eating, because um, it's, as you say, it's so useful just to, as we, we do eat mindlessly a lot of the time. So just having more of a connection with the food that we eat and how it got to our plate and the different sensory aspects of it and how it makes our, our, our body feel and how um, hungry we feel and how satisfied we feel. Um, that can help kind of determine the right portion size for you and um yeah mindful eating is is such a useful practice uh it's such a useful tool for for a lot of people to kind of practice um so yeah it's something i talk about a lot and great clients well we might have to save that for another episode actually laura mindful eating yeah well there's so much to talk about in terms of that so yeah okay noted mindful (laughs) eating we'll do another episode on that because that's definitely Uh, something I notice with my clients and myself you know when I'm stressed I don't eat mindfully Mm -hmm. at all but when I do I I enjoy food so much you know I'm more relaxed anyway I know it's digesting better for sure my digestion is so much better when I'm relaxed so uh, yeah yeah, we'll talk about mindful eating in another episode I'm going to get you on again brilliant (laughs) we've got I haven't got enough time to talk about all of this Uh, so lastly, what um, nutrition and healthy eating resources do you recommend to follow? Anything, books, videos, podcasts, whatever. Is there places that we can go to? And remember, we're not all as clever as you. So we want some nice, easy, how to you know improve our diet in a nice, easy way. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm all about the practical side of yes. things. So one of the, the recipe books, and God, I've got a lot of recipe books, um, but one of the books that I always go back to is the ones by Anita Bean, who is mm-hmm. a registered nutritionist. And um, her book uh, that I've got, Vegetarian Meals in 30 Minutes, is Great. one on my shelf that's covered in like bits of yeah it's got um, loads of food stains on yeah which is a good sign um but it's got lots of good information in it as well in terms mm-hmm. of nutrition 
Um, so any of her books, um, all the recipes are really easy, straightforward, and it doesn't really matter if you don't have some of the ingredients because she gives suggestions on, you know, what else you could swap out or swap in. Um, so that's a good one. And the gut health doctor, Megan Rossi, is really useful to follow on social media. Mm -hmm. Her book, Eat Yourself Healthy, um, talks a lot about gut health and the importance of eating lots of plant foods. Um, the... There's a new book out by Hazel Wallace, the food medic on Instagram. Her new book's called The Female Factor. And she's another registered nutritionist. So it's all kind of evidence-based information, um, obviously focused on women. And um, she covers nutrition, but also um, sleep and mood as well and, and different things. So that's a good one. Um, and yeah, Love Food Hate Waste website, I think I mentioned. And yeah. the other good website, because I've just been doing a lot of work on heart health at the moment, but it's the UCLP website, which is the ultimate cholesterol lowering website. Um, they've got a lot of recipes online, which are, if someone's not used to having beans and pulses and lentils in their diet, that's a good place to get a few ideas on recipes and um, how to incorporate these foods. Great. Um, oh, anything else? Um, I think, wow, loads. Oh, yeah, I had a few written down. So um, in terms of podcasts, there's a, a new one uh, by a fellow registered nutritionist, Barbara Bray, who is um, has got a podcast called Women Positively Aging, which again is very evidence-based and she's been interviewing a lot of um, kind of really good um, nutrition scientists on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the ones I'd written down. Great. No, I'll put I'll, I'll put links to those in the show notes as well. Um, and what about your podcast, Laura? Go on, give oh, it a yeah. plug. <laughs> give Absolutely, it a plug. Yeah, I've listened to podcast. all the episodes. <laughs> I love them. I love your podcast. As, as I've just done series one of Food Connections. So it's yeah. all about helping people connect with the food that they eat. And I'm interviewing food producers and um, kind of finding out how they actually produce food. And yeah. Um, yeah, so series two should be coming out later later this year. Right. No, I've loved them. I love, I love the honey one, the bees. Yeah. The, the bees. That was great. So yeah, I really like that one. And the rapeseed oil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of because yeah. I love rapeseed oil anyway. So yeah, that was great. Brilliant. Thank you. So all good. So Laura, right. We're going to have to have a part two at some point. So thank you so much for your time right now. Um, but let's do another one again soon, whenever you have more time. And we'll talk Absolutely. a little bit maybe more about mindful eating. But thanks so much for your tips and everything as well. I'm going to include all your details in the show notes. So uh, thanks very much for that. Cheers. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been really nice. Nice chatting to you. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> Wow. What did you think of that? I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, that was just fascinating. I could have carried on talking to Lauren. Like you heard there, you know, there's just so many other facets that we could have talked about regarding nutrition and our mental health and our connections to food and emotional eating. If you'd really like me to do another episode with Laura on mindful eating is what we were talking about. Uh, and that connection that we have, that emotional connection to food and enjoying food. And when we mindlessly eat uh, as well, then just please send me a message. Um, Laura's extremely busy, uh, as am I, but I will definitely get her back on it if if there's a demand there. Like I said, this episode was because quite a few clients had asked me to bring on uh, a nutritionist to talk about the gut-brain connection 
and how nutrition, uh, what we eat and drink affects our mental health, not just our physical health. So I hope you really enjoyed it. I certainly did. Just uh, obviously, you could probably already tell. Laura and I do have a, a, a good chat for a long time, you know, long periods of time on walks and in you'll see us in coffee shops in Edinburgh uh, and over lunch, just having a good chat about it. But have a think about how your mental health and nutrition and the way you eat is connected. You're a whole person. Please remember that you're a whole person. We shouldn't compartmentalize ourselves and there's no quick fix here. As Laura said, small changes to start off with can make a big difference and they will build and they will build, but start off small. It's much more sustainable as well. So Laura, if you listen to this, thank you so much for giving up your time to do that. I know that I took up more time than we had uh, accounted for, but I really, really appreciate it. So Laura, I'll see you soon. Everyone else, I will see you next week for some more Stress Bucket Solutions on our podcast. But like I said, any anyone else, you, you any other kind of topic you would like me to bring an expert on and that connection to mental health, please let me know. So I've got a lot of connections here in Edinburgh. I'm sure I could find the right person. And if there's any other subjects you would like me to speak about and give you the solution focused opinion on, please let me know. Please remember I'm all over social media. Just give me a search if you want to connect with me or send me a message keep listening to the podcast. There's my book as well. So how to empty your stress bucket that's available everywhere. And also my online video courses on my website as well. It's getting lots of good response there. And people are really noticing a difference. So that's a really good way for you to have some solution focused therapy without having to see me. And just to get that idea of what solution focused therapy is about. And you should notice a difference with that online course because there's lots of relaxation recordings, lots of solution focused language and worksheets as well. And there's even a downloadable recording for you to keep to fall asleep to as well. So um, you should improve your sleep with that online course as well. Uh, Just check it out on my website, ginlally.com. So until next time, see you then for some more Stress Bucket Solutions. Sleep well, keep doing your three Ps and keep remembering what's been good about your week. And there'll always be something small. Bye for now.